Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Randy. It's great to have you with us today, and thank you, Quincy, very much. So nice of him to come, come up today and share. And uh, I will tell you, I've been here for 20 years. Uh, they were supporting the Galilean home before my time, so uh, for at least, at least the last 20 years plus. Uh, it's been an important part of our ministry, and you guys uh, have a hand in that. And uh, so you're going uh, you're gonna to experience that uh, understanding one day on the other side, what a blessing that is. Well, today we're here, and we're uh, in the middle of a series called Timeless. And uh, we began last week by talking about the fact that uh, we live in a very trendy world today. There are things that come and go. And uh, we talked about a little bit about, as we kind of introduced the idea, that you, something that we experience right now, we think, oh, it'll always be like this. But, but that doesn't happen. Things change. And, uh, you know, I want to show you a change. And so uh, a few uh, weeks ago, we celebrated several of our students who graduated from high school. So I thought, you know, just to kind of show you how things have changed over time, uh, here's a throwback picture of myself when I graduated from high school. Yeah, I'm, I'm rocking the hair there. Uh, that's pretty cool. But you know what? I know not only about the hair that's different, but the suit. Uh, I got a three-piece on. Now, you don't see a lot of those anymore. Uh, you don't see a lot of high school pictures taken with suits on either, right? So things are, are pretty different now. And so that was a trend, wide tie and everything, uh, big collars and such. But, you know, the trends in clothing have changed a little bit, right? And so here's a trend that you might, you'll, you'll probably hopefully never see it, uh, not on me for sure, but uh, men's rompers are, are all the thing now. You know, three pieces are out, men's rompers are in. I will promise you, you will never see one of those on me, all right? Never, ever. Wow. First service didn't even applaud that. I don't know. You guys are coming on strong and responding here. All right, here's the thing uh, I want you to know, and we introduced this last year, last week. We said, in a trendy world, the best things in life are timeless. In a trendy world, the best things in life are timeless. And last week, to start off, we talked about eternity. We said that one day we'll experience eternity, but, but it's relevant right now because how we live our lives right now will stretch into eternity, that those things are timeless. The decisions that we make now, the actions that we make today are decisions that we will experience and reflect back on in eternity. And so we, from that, we said that our actions do not save us, but they do determine what our reward will be. They do not save us. We're not saved by our goodness, but certainly eternity is going to reflect the life that we live here upon this earth. And so we said in light of this, how we live every day matters. How we live life every day really matters. Well, today I want to talk about another topic, one that will uh, never go out of style, never go out of style. It's one that our actions and decisions of today will one day, we will reflect back on them in eternity. And it may surprise you a little bit because while it's a really big deal right now, you might not think about how it might uh, impact eternity and that you would even consider it then. Today, what we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about how we manage our financial resources. Now, I want to be honest with you and tell you, uh, at the end of the day, it might be easy for you to walk away and say, you know what, that is exactly what I would expect the preachers to say. And I probably will say exactly what you expect me to say. And to be honest, a little bit further, it could sound a little self-serving, because I know there are skeptics out there, especially when it comes to money, you know, who think the church is out to get everything from them, and the preachers are all about them. Let me tell you this, I don't have anything to do with the money here. I, I don't ever touch it, don't count it. 
uh, don't determine what I make. That's determined by our elders. So it really isn't self-serving. And I will also tell you that money is not a topic that I enjoy talking about, nor is it something that I talk about very often, not nearly as much as Jesus did. In fact, if you were to go back and see, you would see that Jesus, about half of his preaching was about money. Now, if we did that reflected the percentage here, I'd be every other week about money, and nobody ever wants to go there, all right? But the reality is that it's a very important topic. It's important to us, and I believe it's important to God. And here's why. There is a fundamental connection between our spiritual lives and how we think about and handle money. There's a fundamental connection between those two things. There really is. And the reason why I want to include that in this series uh, that I'm preaching here is what we do with money will show up in eternity. What we do with money here will show up in eternity. And so I'm, I plan to spend eternity with you guys. I'm going to see you in heaven. We're going to be there. We'll be neighbors, you know, and everything. And I don't want you coming up to me in eternity going, Randy, why did you not mention this? I mean, you preached a lot. Why did you never mention this here upon the earth? So I really want to tell you everything that I know and understand what God says about it. And I want to encourage you to act accordingly to where God leads you to go. Here's the thing I want you to understand. I don't want something from you. I want something for you. I really do. I, I hope you know my heart in this. I want something for you. And I would long for you to understand the truth that we're going to talk about today. Now, specifically, we're going to talk about a concept called return on investment, which is ROI. If you're a financial whiz, you probably use the ROI all the time. You throw those, you know, letters out and people are going, what is an ROI? Well, it's a return on investment. And it basically means that whenever you invest in something, you hopefully are going to get an increase in that down the road, right? That makes sense. For example, if in 2002, which was 15 short years ago, you had invested $100 in a little startup company called Apple, that would have been a really smart move because 100 bucks invested 15 years ago would now be worth $5,500. That's a pretty good investment. If, on the other hand, you'd have been a personal investment like, investor like me and invested in a company that sounded better, like, like Webvan, then if you had invested there, today your ROI in Webvan would be minus $100 because it didn't go anywhere. You've never heard of it, have you? Some companies make it and some don't, and, and there really isn't any guarantee, I suppose. Investors do assure us, hey, if you listen to me, you're going to, you know, you're going to get a great return on your money. But at the bottom of the page, when they say that, the bottom of the, of the page, they have to have this in small print, past performance is no guarantee of future results. Nobody can guarantee whether it's going to be a web van or an Apple whenever you invest in it, all right? So understand that, that human investment is a, a, a risky thing here upon this earth. Now, I am no financial advisor. However, I know a really good one, and I'm going to let you in on the greatest financial advice you will ever receive. I guarantee you this. Guarantee you. This advice has a strong history of past success, and not only that, it has an even better indicator of future results. And this advice I'm going to give you is going to impact your life today, tomorrow, and for eternity. Why? Because the advice is timeless. Now, that investor I mentioned is no human being. That investor I mentioned is God, and He is a pretty good source of information. And the reason for that is because God made everything. He made this world. He made money and whatever money's made out of. He made you. He made every circumstance of your life. He made it all. 
So when you make something, you know pretty much everything about it. And God knows everything about all of us and about this subject. So we're going to go to him, we're going to get his advice, and we're going to be in Malachi chapter 3. Now before I say this, read this, let me just lay this out because it can be a little bit confusing. God is speaking and then God is asking questions that we might ask, all right? So it's kind of back and forth. So let's read it together and I'll try to keep that clear. God says, ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, this is human beings, well, God, how, how are we to return? And God says, will a mere mortal rob God? And yet you rob me. But you ask, we ask, how are we robbing you, God? We would never do that. And he says, in tithes and offerings, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Now, there's a great return on your investment. You know, most of the time in the Bible, God says, don't mess with me. You ever notice that? Don't mess with me. I'm telling you, I will, I will zap you. I'll do it. Don't tempt me. Don't mess with me. But here, amazingly enough, on the amazing topic about money, God says, hey, tell you what, give me a shot. Give me your best shot. Test me. See if I'm not telling you the truth in this. I think that's significant, to be honest. Why? Because that's a guarantee. Maybe a little sense of humor, God's God, but it's a guarantee. God says, hey, I know this is important to you. And I know you like a good return on your investment. Just give me a shot and see if I won't be faithful. And that tells me that giving is not only important to people, but giving is important to God. Money is important to us. And so because of that, money is important to God as well. See, the Bible talks a lot about giving. And the Bible also distinguishes between a tithe and an offering. And we'll come back to that here in a few moments. But it says to bring the tithe and give the offering. Why does it say that in a different way? I'll, I'll let you know. But of course, when, Jesus, when God speaks his word, he's talking about giving money to him, and he's talking about through the church. You know, in the Bible, when people gave to God, they brought their money to the temple, the house of worship, and they gave their money there. Today, there's people everywhere trying to, to get us to give, and there's plenty of good sources, good places to give. I'm not saying that at all. But, but primarily, when we give to God, we give through the church. And God wants us to be generous. Now, here's how we push back on that. We say, man, I wish I could. I really do. I wish I could. I wish I had more. And if I had more, I would give. And that sounds great. But the research shows that it is not true at all. It is not true. Simple as that. In fact, the research shows that the more income someone makes, the actual less percentage of their money that they actually give. So the more you have, the less you give. Is that true? Well, look at these stats. For people who made under $25,000, which we would probably would say would be, be near poverty, they gave 7.7%, which is pretty good. For those who, who make twenty-five dollars to, to 50000 gave 4.8%. What a drop-off. For those of fifty dollars to 75000 3.5%. For those of seventy-five dollars to $100,000, 3%. $100,000 to $200,000, 2.6%. $200K or more, 2.8%. I mean, look at that. It, like the people who make more give less percentage, well, that's about a third less, about a third of what others give. That, that is amazing. I, I didn't realize that it was that significant. So, so what many of us need to do, we need to make a lot less so we could give more, right? That doesn't make any sense, does it? 
But statistically, the more you make, the less you're going to give. Now, why is that true? That is a crazy truth. The truth is because money has a strange power over us. I don't like to admit that, but it does. If I'm thinking about letting my mind wander, it, will, it may go to money because it has that kind of power. It controls us. It dictates so much in our life. And here's the sad truth. The more we have, the more we want, and the more we spend or hoard and or hoard. The more we have, the more we want. When we have little, we can be satisfied. The more we have, there's something that creates a desire to have more and more. And here's the thing. The more we have, the more creative we become finding ways to spend it. There is always going to be a dividing up of what we have on things, right? Uh, I want to show you this, this video. And the video is kind of funny, but it's even sadder because it's true. That's what makes it funny and sad. So let's watch this real quick. I told you, it was, uh, it's sad, but true, isn't it? It really is. There's so much calling out, you know, for a, a piece of the pie. And, and the reality is, it doesn't go that far. It doesn't always go. And sometimes God ends up with, with nothing or the leftovers. 
And you know what? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, God isn't satisfied with the leftovers. Because he didn't give us the leftovers, did he? He gave us his only son, Jesus Christ. And the other thing is that God's the one who brings the pie. He brings the pie. If God didn't bring the pie, there wouldn't be anything for anybody, would it? You know what I don't understand about God? A lot I don't understand about God. But here's one thing. Why does God keep bringing the pie? Why does God keep doing that when he knows how we are? Is it that God, you know, is it that God just has such a longing grace for us? It must be. Because if I was God, I don't think I'd keep bringing a pie. I really don't. When we treat him like that sometimes. Here's the reality is that God wants us to learn to give back to him. God wants to bless us financially. I believe that it blesses us in every way, but bless us financially. But God also wants to grow our faith at the same time. And according to what we read in the Bible, not giving to God is, is not just forgetting God. It's not just indifference. It is actually robbing God. It is robbing God, which is a really hard word for us to hear, but it's true. I know of Christians who, who never think about giving to God. I mean, anything at all. Never think about giving to God. I have a really hard time understanding that I, for a couple of reasons. One thing, God has given us so much. As a church family, God has given us an incredible place, an incredible place to worship and serve and a ministry center that, you know, effort goes out from this place. I can't imagine coming every week and just going, up. Oh, somebody must be doing this. Maybe there's government funds or something that provides all of this. Obviously, it's not true. But the other side of that, I can't imagine someone trusting God with your soul, but not with your money. Trusting God with the most important thing you have with your soul, but saying, I don't think God can handle my money. And the only thing is, I wonder is maybe we think our money is more valuable than our soul. Wow. You know, if that's you, or maybe just give God the crumbs that are left over, then I think what you're doing is you're trusting in your own resources, and you're not trusting in God. And you're not even giving God what really already belongs to Him, which is the concept of the tithe, which is what we read there in Malachi chapter 3. See, the word tithe is used for a lot of things. It's, you know, anything that we give, can, people call it a tithe, but the reality of a tithe by its very definition is 10%. There was a biblical principle that 10% of all that we have belongs to God. It is His. Well, actually, to be honest with you, everything that we make belongs to God because we belong to God. And everything He made, it's all His. He didn't give it away, uh, you know, and just say, no longer for me. It, it still comes from God. He brings the pie. And God says, 100% is what I want to give you. But what I'm asking you to do is I'm asking you to understand that 10% of it really belongs to me, and I want you to give it back. Now, that really is a pretty good deal when you think about it, because if you're sitting alongside the road, and you're destitute with nothing, and somebody comes by, and they hand you 10, $10 bills, and they say, the only condition to receive this is you give me one back, and you go, well, certainly I would do that. You just made 90 bucks doing nothing. It's kind of how God's generosity is, and that's why God says you need to return back to Him. That's also why it says that we don't give the tithe we bring the tithe. We bring the tithe because it belongs to God. Here's an example. If I borrow your lawnmower and I return it, I'm not giving it to you. It's already yours. It's not like, hey, I'm going to give you a mower. It's, it's your mower. I'm bringing it home. I'm just returning it. If I don't bring it home, then I'm stealing it. I'm robbing you. And so God says that's kind of the concept. In the beginning of time, God established the tithe. God also established what we call, he called the first fruits. And the first fruits is the first of your income. So this tithe, which defines the first fruits, is not just a tenth, it is the first tenth. 
Before we pay the mortgage, before we pay our car loans, the electric bill, and all those things, we bring our tithe to God, and we bring it to the church. Now, the way that we did that in the past used to be, I'm sure there was a time when people carried a lot of cash. These days, nobody carries cash, right? Then after that, in the olden days, people used to carry a little piece of paper called a check that they would write out. And nowadays, nobody carries checks either because we all now rely on a little piece of plastic uh, that we carry around with us. And so, you know, if we were to say, let's have a great offering right now, likely nobody would say, oh yeah, let's do something big because nobody could. But the reality is, is that we all give, many of us give online. And that's a great way. If you give a check, I'm not making fun of you. Please keep giving the checks if that's the way you want to give. But the reality is that online is easier for us. And you know, when you think about it, online actually really helps us out a lot because online counts it and even deposits it for us. So it's kind of like giving twice. So that's a, a great way to give if you haven't done that. I would encourage you to think about it because that's the way most of us pay our bills, right? You go to our website, journeyky.church, click on the give, a little thing drops down, ask for some information. And, and you can give, it's very, very easy, very, very simple, and very safe as well. It's on our website. You can also give the text if you want to as well. But here's the thing, I want to encourage you to think about and be willing to make a plan to give in some way. And I also encourage you to automate your giving as well. Why? Because the things that are important to us that you don't want to forget, you automate. We all do. My home mortgage comes out automatic. I don't want to forget to do that a couple of weeks, months, and uh, have them come repossess my home or my car, or whatever, uh, whatever you may pay for. You automate the importance. So I would encourage you to give online, to automate your giving, so you're not tempted to use it somewhere else, because we all are. We all have great intentions, but commitments that we make, we want them to be firm. And also, so that even if you're out of town, your giving continues. To see, the church, the way we set up our budget, is based on the giving that, that you folks have done in the past. And as we continue to watch the budget, we understand that giving consistent is important. You know, I shared in first service, this was totally spontaneous, but, uh, but just telling you that we operate as a church on a budget. Uh, we don't just spend what we have, we're on a budget. And, and I have a woman that I love called Tammy, who holds my feet to the fire when it comes to budget. I mean, we don't, we'll say, let's do this. And she'll say, where are we going to get the money at? Where's the budget at? Budget is important to us. If we get over the budget, we put on our debt, on our, our loan for our building. If we get under it, we start sweating a little bit. We start thinking, where are we going to make the cuts at? There have been times in the past that we had to make cuts in programming and, uh, and even staff at one point just because of being below budget. Now, I share that with you because I want to be honest with you and I want you to know and understand that, that, uh, that giving is what makes the church continue to function and allows us to outreach out, provide programming and such. I'll also be, be honest to tell you that right now we're a little below budget. And we, I would like to have you consider that and think about that. We'd love to make that up mid-year and, and finish out really strong. But understand that our giving makes a difference and, and determines what the church is able to do. Now, we also understand that God is trustworthy. God is trustworthy. And right here, God says, I want you to test me. Test me. So we have a little test that we kind of put together. We call it the Tithe Challenge. And just to make it a little easier, kind of help you understand, we challenge you to tithe for three months. Three months is a pretty good trial period for you. And if God is not faithful in providing for you and blessing you, then we commit to give you the money back. 
We will do that. Never had anybody ask for that because we know that God's faithful, but we would do that. If at the end of three months you would say, we are starving, we don't have any food, our home's been repossessed, no cars, because we gave a, a, a tithe, then we would gladly give you the money back, all right? A little bit of humor in that, but, but understand, I know that God is faithful. God is always faithful. Now, even if things in your life are tight financially, if you are struggling, here's my number one piece of advice. Start tithing. Start tithing. Because the tithe is the easy way, the best way to make your money go further. I know it doesn't make sense. I can't even explain it. Been doing it a long time, but it simply is the truth. Here's the reason, this little statement. 90% of your income with God's blessing is greater than 100% of your income without God's blessing. 90% of your income with God's blessing is greater than 100% without it. That's just flat-out truth, no matter what. So that's what a tithe is. Now, what is an offering? We bring the tithe, we give the offering. The offering is anything above the tithe. So it's a challenge to all of us. You know, we never arrive in our, in our walk with Christ. He's always calling us to a greater challenge. So if you've been a Christian for a long time and you're still at, at 10%, then maybe you need to trust God a little bit more, take another step of faith, and experience the greater blessing that God may have for you. Now, how does this play out in your, in your own life? You know, when I was a kid, my family was very involved in church, very involved in church. We went to church every time the doors were open. We were those kind of people. And I had several people tell me, Randy, you ought to be a preacher. But, but you know what? Here's to show you how shallow I am. I knew that if I were a preacher then I would not have a choice. I would have to give sacrificially. That I couldn't stand up and talk about with the Bible without money if I wasn't practicing it. And I thought that I would be poor, and I didn't want to be poor. Who wants to be poor, right? So that was one reason that I resisted. But God drugged me, sometimes kicking and screaming, into ministry. And, uh, and sure enough, I was right. Whenever I got out of ministry, we had some school loans, and I was in a small church, and we were poor. We really were. Then not before too awful long, our kids came along. Uh, we were told we couldn't have kids, so we adopted two. And oh, and behold, we have two more. Before we know it, we got four kids. And kids equal money, right? Money. And so we were poor. Lori stayed home, which is what we wanted her to do. And uh, we had one income, a church income, and, and it wasn't, wasn't a lot. We were eligible for welfare. But we you know what? We trusted God through that. And not just because I was a minister, but because I'm really trying to follow God. We tithed all along. And God was faithful. God was faithful through those years. We never once went without a single meal. Never ever. I mean, God provided all the way through. We always had vehicles to drive. We always had a place to live. Our kids had everything they wanted. They're very adjusted, well-adjusted kids today. They're not scarred by, by that at all. They, they, you know, God provided for us. Now we're in a better place because our kids are gone. Again, kids are money suckers, right? Our kids are gone. We both work now. We're probably at the you know, peak of our earning careers or whatever it may be. And God has blessed us. He has blessed us through all of this, through the poor and years and difficult years. But God has blessed us beyond our imagination. And to be honest with you today, uh, I'm very vulnerable. I'm ashamed to remember how I felt before. I'm really ashamed of that, looking back. That was a very immature thing to say and think. Now, today, some people might say, you know what? You preachers must make a lot of money. People say that all the time to me, which is, to be honest with you, an extremely awkward conversation. I don't know how to respond to something like that. But I have to believe that people don't really believe that or there'd be a lot more of us out there, <laughs> really. 
But, but to be honest, our income is probably about like what anybody else in our community would make. Uh, our church takes care of our staff. We really do. But we don't make a, a lot of money. That really isn't true. I will tell you, though, why we're blessed. I'll tell you what I think we're blessed. Because, number one, we tithe and we go beyond on all of our income that we make. Everything I make, everything Lori makes, everything I make uh, from, our, from the, the shop that I, that I work in, everything we do, we, we tithe on that. And we believe that's the best way to do it. That's just smart. We've always done it. I'm convinced that we would not have made it financially, wouldn't have anything that we have today if we had not done that. Secondly, we try to do our best to stay out of debt, except our house. Obviously, the bank owns much of our house, like many of you guys. Uh, but, um, and we'd love to have that be different, but it's not right now. We haven't always done that. I will tell you, there have been times that we got dumb and we went into debt. Not deep, not over our heads, not crazy, uh, but we did get a place a time or two that I, it was very stressful, and me personally, and, and our, our, our relationship, you know, debt stresses you out. So, but we try to stay out of debt. Thirdly, we try to ask God to help us live within our means. Live within our means. And that's an important thing. Make wise, wise decisions. And I think that God's blessed us. You know, if you had told me back years ago when I didn't want to be a preacher, that I would be a preacher today that would have four incredible kids, I would go, there's no way I could do that. That I would have an incredible wife married 35 years that I love so much and that we're enjoying great life. I would never believe that. If you had told me, you know what, Randy, you're going to get to, to preach every Sunday to some awesome people that you love and work with them and, and be a part of their family, I would never believe that. Never believe what God has done. And I believe that part of that is just the blessings that come by being faithful. So that's what I want for you, not from you. I've discovered that when you give, it requires a measure of faith. And when you exercise your faith, you grow. So giving is, is an indicator as well as a sign of spiritual growth. So here's my encouragement to you. If you've never given, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to give this week. Last week I said, in, in light of eternity and, and the timelessness of eternity, to live life and make a decision based on that belief that, that you need to live today like it goes into eternity. So this week I'm going to challenge you. If you've never given at all, I want to encourage you to give today. Give this week at, at some point, online or however you want to do that. Check if you want. Cash is fine, whatever you want to do. But if you can possibly start tithing immediately, do so. Do that. And to be honest with you, most people spend 10% of their income frivolously anyway, right? I mean, we really do, guys. Unless you're different than anybody I've ever known, we just spend it frivolously on things, you know, Starbucks and going out to eat and things. We spend 10% of our income without even knowing it. We're not very intentional in that. It's because we have it. Um, and we can all rearrange our finances. I've known people who seem to be struggling, and then they lost their job, and they still survived. I don't know how that happens, but, but we can rearrange our finances for that which is important. So if you can possibly start tithing today, do so. But if you can't, just increase what you've been giving and make the tithe your goal. Why don't you just say, hey, you know what? We're going to, going forward, give a percent more each month, and by the end of the year, you may be possibly near your tithing goal. So I just want to encourage you in that. Now, why do I want that for you? Because I know how faithful God is. And I know what God can do in your life. I believe that God's looking for people to partner with financially. I believe he's looking for partners. And if you are willing to do so, God will, he promises, throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. 
So the best financial advice I can give you today is be generous to God. Be generous to God. Pour it out. It is the best return on investment that you will ever receive. And here's why. When you become a partner or caretaker of God's kingdom, then God becomes a caretaker of your kingdom. When you become a partner or caretaker of God's kingdom, God becomes a caretaker of your kingdom. If you want your kingdom to grow, then you invest in God's kingdom. If you want God to bless you, and that's not a health and wealth thing, it's just a reality. If you want God to be a part of your life, then you make him a big part of your life. If you want him to bless your money and make it go further, then you invest in his kingdom. You recognize the principles he's given to you. It's not my advice. It comes from God himself. And it's timeless because it impacts your life today, tomorrow, and forever. It will impact your life. I promise you that. If you tithe, it's a significant amount of money. And you're going to look back and you go, boy, I could take that and I could do this and I could do that. Yeah, you can. It's a sacrifice. It's supposed to be. It will impact your life tomorrow because you will discover how faithful God is. He will always provide. And it will impact your eternity as well. Because here's what the Bible says. If you invest in God's kingdom here upon the earth, God says that in eternity you will see the return on the investment. You receive the, the ter- return on the investment. I don't know what that means. I don't have any idea what that really means. I don't think God's banking it all up for you and you're going to get it there. But maybe, I don't know. Really? I, I do think there will be some return. Let me tell you what I think it may be. I think some of the return on your investment may be the people who are in heaven because of your giving. I think return may be the people that this church impacts because it exists here, because it has a building here, because it has ministries and services and programming and staff and, and, and outreach, because people are impacted in our community. I think there'll be people in heaven who are there because of the missions that we sent to other countries, and they're there because we supported missionaries who went. I think there'll be people in heaven, and, and earlier Quincy talked about the children of all ages, those uh, handicapped folks. There'll be people in heaven who will be handicapped no longer, but will say thank you. Thank you for giving to allow us to have a safe place to grow up and to live. There will be a return in heaven. Whatever God decides to do, it will be there, but it will be the best investment you'll ever make. And here's the other thing about that. The money you give to God does not disappear like much of your other spending. I mean, you think about this a minute, will you? You think of, you go and have a great meal. And you, it is awesome, and you enjoy it for like 10 minutes, and then you're so full, you wish you hadn't eaten as much, right? It's the way we all are. It's a great meal. And then two hours later, you're hungry again. You think about the things that you have on your credit card that, that you have consumer debt for that are gone. You don't even know what they are, where they are. They're important for the moment, but you, they don't have any value now. Every, almost everything that we have, the electricity that we have, you know, uh, water, we, everything that we have, we use it and it's gone. The money is gone. It disappears. Nothing is left to remind us it was there. But the money you give to God does not disappear. It does not disappear like everything else. Malik, uh, Matthew chapter 6 says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and ver- vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There your heart will be also. Jesus says that what we give to him is treasure laid up in heaven. So it is a win-win situation. It's a win for us because we get the blessing 
of experiencing partnering with God. It's a win for us later when we know that in heaven we're going to re- get a return our investment. It's a win for Jesus now because people see him in a fresh light when we give and, we, and people glorify God. It's a win for everybody. And so that's my challenge for you today. This timeless issue, that, that the decisions that we make today and the actions we make today with something that we call money that we value so much will stretch in eternity for our advantage or maybe for our disadvantage. So my challenge to you today is what are you going to do about that? Why not try the, the tithe challenge? For, why not try that for 90 days and see if God isn't faithful? Because our God invites us to test him to test him. My experience and my belief is that this will be the best investment that you will ever make, that God will come through. God will prove himself for you. But here's the other thing that's even more important than that. When you discover that God will come through for you on money, you will discover that he will come through for you on everything, on everything. Money is just a small thing when it comes to the real real values the real important things in life, God will come through for you on everything. He will help you. He will preserve you. He will save you. You know, I would love to have that conversation with you, not about investing money uh, in things. I don't know much about that. But I would love to have a conversation with you about your relationship with Him. Have you invested yourself in Him? Have you given your life to Him, to Jesus Christ? Because that's the only thing that really matters when all the money, all the things in life are gone Only what we do for Christ is going to matter. I would love to have that conversation with you. You can catch me later on. You can contact me, check on your card, talk to a minister, whatever it may be. I'd love to talk about your next step. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. God, thank you for caring about us and for giving us Jesus more more than anything. But God, thank you for caring about the other things in life that are important to us, the things that drive us. God, thank you for, for helping us understand your economy the way you do things. God, help us to understand that you have a plan for our lives and it involves not only our decision to accept Jesus, but how we live for him as well. And that the things that we do here upon this earth at this time will one day echo into eternity. So we love you, Lord. We worship you. and We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.